Hey everyone, welcome back to the Last Word on Sens podcast. I am your host, Alex Metzger, and it is just me today. Uh, I wanted to get a quick episode out here uh, because I haven't recorded in almost a month, uh, which is hard to believe. I just haven't been able to find the time. Uh, there was obviously the All-Star break, and then uh, over the last couple weeks, I just have not been able to get around to it, which uh, has been unfortunate because there's been quite a lot to talk about uh, for the Ottawa Senators. Um, they have played... Uh, a handful of games since I've last recorded. Uh, just counting right now, it looks like almost 10, I want to say. Uh, nine games uh, in, in that stretch. Uh, they've played up and down, I think overall pretty well. Uh, they beat the Leafs and then beat the Blue Jackets, lost to the Ducks and Blackhawks of all teams, um, beat the Lightning, dropped an OT game to the Panthers, beat the Stars, beat the Golden Knights, and then tonight uh, lost to the Washington Capitals. Um it's been up and down. Uh, there's been a lot of good, uh, a lot of growth, but this team is still very inconsistent, and that is going to be the theme of this episode. Uh, inconsistency kills you in this league. It is as simple as that. And uh, this team loves to look like a world beater for a couple games and then loves to look like a team that has no idea what they're doing for even periods at a time that will cost them games. Um, it's unfortunate but the the bottom line is that the problem with this team right now as it stands is the goaltending uh, the goaltending is flat out not good enough uh they let up t- six goals on 20 shots today uh forsberg got lit up for four on 10 in the first three were just horrendously soft as well right through them three different times Corpusalo comes in, uh, lets a weak one in to start. I didn't get to see the sixth one. I, I went to my own hockey at that point. Uh, but they lose 6-3 in a game where they let up 20 shots. Uh, and it's just deflating. Like, I just don't know how you expect a team to commit to strong defense, commit to transition and all that stuff when it could be the 97-98 Devils out there and it doesn't matter. They'll probably still be losing games because of how bad the goalies have played. Um, you know, like, it's just... Jonas Corposalo at this point looks like he should be a prime bio candidate for the summer, which is hard to say and hard to believe. But uh, like he's unplayable right now. Every game he goes in, they seem to absolutely just get shelled. Um, you know, he, he had an okay one, I think, against uh, uh, I want to say it was the Panthers, and even then, like he let in a couple. It was it's the same story we have with him every single game this year. It seems like where. He'll make three or four really good stops, but that just does not matter if you turn around and let in two horrendous goals that are absolutely backbreaking for the team. Um, so it's a bit of a frustrating um, frustrating period right now and what's been a very frustrating season. I, I think overall, if you're looking at the quality of work uh, over the past uh, couple weeks, that it's definitely been the best it's been all season. I actually wrote a piece for Last Word on Hockey, which you can... Uh, Check out right now, lastwordhockey.com, and it um, basically highlighted, is this recent stretch different from past years? And what I dove into there, and I won't break it all down here, um, but I wanted to take a look because it feels like this team does this every year, where they're so far out of the playoffs, and then they finally start turning it around, and everyone goes, no, you got to keep all the guys. Look at how well they're playing. Can't trade anyone away. We're one more piece away. And then they go and make one big trade in the summer or at the deadline, whether that's to Brinkett, whether it's Chikrin, bringing in Tarasenko, you know, Giroux. And, and I'm not saying these were all bad moves by any means. In fact, the Giroux one's probably been one of the best free agency moves they've ever made. Probably the best one. Um, 
But every year they seem to go on this run when they're 30 points out of the playoffs and and climb their way back to where they're within 10 to 12 points of the playoffs and look a little more respectable just to follow it up the next year and do the exact same thing. Um, so I wanted to take a look at, is this year different? Because it does feel a little different. And uh, the conclusion I came to was that it's a small sample. I, I, it was a 9-3-3 three, and three stretch. Yeah, they played two more games since the article was posted. Obviously, they won against Vegas. They played pretty well uh, defensively. Well, I'm not going to say pretty well defensively. They probably didn't deserve to have six goals against uh, in Washington tonight. They, they didn't play well defensively, though, either, uh, at least in the first period. Um, but the bottom line is that they are playing better than in past years. Uh, past years, the... The rebound at the end of the season, the you know the 12 wins and 18 games or whatever that they they had a couple years ago, a lot of that was just driven by shooting or goaltending luck, um, or you know even playing well offensively but playing pretty porous defensively. Whereas um, before the coaching change or before um, the stats uh, before January 18th, sorry, uh, this year they were 15, 24, and 0. Uh, which is a 385 points percentage. Uh, they ranked 18th in Corsi 4, so shot attempts. They ranked 24th in expected goals percentage. Uh, and then defensively, they ranked 23rd in shot attempts against per 60 minutes played and 25th in expected goals against per 60. So they were they were bleeding chances at a pretty high late, uh, rate, both in um, overall chances, just being shots and quality, which uh, uh, accounts for where you are in front of the net. Uh, and and who's shooting the puck as well? Since January 18th, they are nine three and three with a zero point uh, seven hundred points percentage, zero point seven points percentage. Um, they are eleventh in Corsi four in that time. So shot attempts, they they're up from eighteenth where they were before. Tenth in expected goals, up from twenty fourth before. And then the two big ones that were different from last year is they're fifteenth in both Corsi against per sixty and expected goals against per sixty. So they're not absolutely locking it down defensively, but they're about an average team, which I think is exactly what you should expect from this team when you were heading into the year. I don't think anyone thought that they were going to be absolute world beaters, just absolutely you know, shutting everything down in front of their net. But I think it was fair to expect that they shouldn't be in the bottom third again this year, and that's where they started. Uh, and it has been an improvement set. So that is, uh, that is good to see. I compared it to a couple years past, and just for reference... Um, on their winning streaks uh, in years past, they, they've they ranked uh, between 16th and 28th in a lot of these metrics, uh, even while they were winning. Um, and a lot of the times those numbers actually went down uh, from where they were in the beginning of the season as well. So um, it's, it's good that this seems to be a fundamental change. And I think when we're watching the games, you can see that as well where um, this team just looks more put together. There is still enough defensive lapses that it's frustrating, but they've definitely cut down, I would say, on the amount of times where it's like, what on earth are you guys doing out front of the net? Um, Which is nice to see. There's still a long way to go because, as I mentioned, and and no team's going to be perfect every game, but when you have dug yourself this big of a hole, it's kind of hard to feel bad for a team when they lose 5-1 to the Ducks and 3-2 to the Blackhawks in back-to-back games. 
Like, when you get lit up 5-1 by the Ducks at home, who just came off getting absolutely toasted by themselves, you could have put the hammer down there and really put their feet to the fire. Instead, you, you let up 5 against them and are just never in that game. To turn around and then go say, okay, well, actually, we're going to lose the Blackhawks as well, it's just unacceptable. And they outplayed the Blackhawks in that game. Uh, they they outshot them 42-22, to and, and again, Corpusalo... I thought he made a couple okay saves and then just lets in a goal when you can't have him, and he posts an 864. Like, uh, he, he's still bottom of the league in goal saved above expected by Money Puck's uh, calculations at negative 15.7. Um, just for reference, uh, if we swapped uh, Jonas Corposalo with Peter Mrazek, who plays for the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, Mrazek's has dipped a little bit now, but... Um, he is at plus 4.4 goals above expected. So it would be almost a 20-goal swing if you just swap those two guys. Peter Morazic, by the way, is someone who the Leafs actively sent a pick with to get rid of to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, and Ottawa paid Corpusalo $20 million to play for them for five, five years. So if you simply switch those two goalies, this team is probably in a playoff spot given how uh, they have played. And you cannot... With someone like Morazic, you cannot say that it's because Chicago is playing well. Chicago is horrendous in their own end as well. They're one of the, the worst team in the league, maybe except for San Jose. Uh, so it's not like Peter Morazic's playing against an absolute defensive uh, stalwart of a team here. Like, he is playing well behind a horrendous decor as well. It is simply one, one goalie is playing way better than the other, and that is what is killing Ottawa this year. Um, it's the number one reason, in my opinion. There, there are other reasons, obviously. Uh, again, like they're just, even if you outplay them, I don't really care how bad of goaltending you get. At some point, you need your star players to go out and just win you a game and take a couple points. Uh, and, and maybe that is unfair to expect you in that specific Chicago game. But uh, again, like you just, you need more out of some of your top guys here um, at, at times. And, and even tonight against Washington, um, Forsberg played horrendous. Like uh, the second, third, and fourth goals are all absolutely unacceptable to let in, all, especially all three of them. Maybe you can let in one of them as an NHL goaltender. It's two, well, the third and fourth ones go right through him. Uh, it's just absolutely, you cannot have it. Um, but to lead to those goals were not good plays defensively either. I don't know what Jacob Chitrin was doing tonight. Uh, he should have been stapled to the bench after about the fourth shift. He was just so horrendous. And don't even get me started on Travis Hamanek. I just don't know. Zub is out right now, so they kind of have to play him. But I genuinely think they'd be better bringing up someone from Belleville and playing him and keeping Hamannick as the seventh guy. Uh, because Travis Hamannick is just absolutely unplayable at this point. He is not an NHL-caliber defenseman. He The team looks so much worse every time he is on the ice. Uh, it is absolutely insane. And they just they cannot keep giving him minutes. Uh, and it's to the point now where it's like, ah, Chicker needs to take some of the blame as well. But every time you put him with Chicker, and I don't think it's a coincidence that it looks like he starts to play his worst hockey alongside Travis Hamannick. So, um, you know, th if this team truly wants to get better and wants to be a team that everyone kind of thinks and, and hopes they can be, they really, really, really need to start scratching off some of that dead weight around the edge of the roster. Um, and, and I get that probably isn't going to happen this year. Um, but like you, you cannot return. I know he has a no move clause, which is insane. And another year on his contract, you cannot let Travis Hamannick return again next year on this team. It's just a non-negotiable. 
you need to figure out a way to get rid of that, get out of that money. Um, it, you just can't have it. It's that the team plays way too poorly when he is on the ice. Uh, and and again, like even tonight, Chicker makes a horrendous pinch to lead to a two-on-one for the first goal. And as soon as I saw it was Hamannick defending it, yes, he's not put in a great position by his partner Chicker there, but. I just don't know what the point of defense... He slides in the middle of the ice, puts a stick down so that a pretty easy saucer pass can make it over. And it was a nice pass by the Washington player, but it was, all in all, a relatively easy pass, uh, all, all things uh, considered. And it just... It's just one of those things where you're looking at it and you go, what is the point? Like, what are you bringing to this team? Uh if you look at his isolated impact from HockeyViz.com, he has some of the worst metrics in the entire league. Any analytical stat you look at, he is at the bottom of the league. He is uh, when they, he's provided negative ten percent in expected goals for per sixty. Just absolutely nothing happens when he's on the ice because there's a big red spot from the right point where he just blasts slap shots all night, and it rarely works out. Uh, ironically enough, it did work out tonight for one of their goals, Pinto deflected one, but it's just a low percentage shot that you can't have uh, him taking. And then his own end, it's just red everywhere in the own. He just bleeds chances against. Uh, it, it's just, it's unbelievable, to be honest, that uh, they're still using him here. Um, they, they genuinely just can't, they can't do it. They, they just... Yeah, I'm at a loss of words. He's a negative player, no matter what you look at. Um, so that's something like, and when you're a team like Ottawa, that they should have some high-end talent, but um, they just, you know, don't always seem to put it together. You can't afford to then be playing someone who actively hurts you basically every time he's on the ice. Um, it, it's genuinely shocking what the on-ice for and against splits are with and without Travis Hamannick on this team. So, uh, you know, you, you want to talk about inconsistency, and there is some inconsistency. Well, purposely playing bad players is going to make it more likely that you're more inconsistent. So um, that's a, been a frustrating part of the last uh, couple couple games. So hopefully our Tim Zub can kind of come along and get back healthy again, and, and they can kind of patch something together here. Um, the only, I guess, the, the one other big thing I wanted to hit on quickly, and I don't want to take too much time on it, is the Morgan Riley, really Greg situation. That happened since I last recorded. Um, I, I'm not going to give it too much time because honestly, I think it's been overreported as it is. Uh, people made a big deal about, about this. My take was kind of, and I think I said this on my other podcast, was uh, the Eminem Hockey Podcast, was um, it was an unnecessary thing for Greg to do. But it was against the biggest rival who filled their building on Saturday night. I don't really have an issue with it. He should have known there was a response. Anyone who thinks that was the appropriate response from Morgan Riley is also out of their mind. And I think that kind of highlights the the maybe issues with how hockey thought kind of goes in the NHL right now. That so many people thought that what Ridley Gregg did was absolutely uh, deplorable and wrong, but what Morgan Riley did was justified and okay. And and I don't actually think Morgan Riley was trying to smoke him in the head. I think he did, probably was trying to give him a shot, but it was high enough up in that neck area that it allowed to get to the, the head, and he has to be responsible for that. So um, I, I think it's been kind of just overreported. Uh, I love that Ridley Gregg did it. I thought it was hilarious. I would have been pissed if someone did it against Ottawa. Um, but that being said, I wouldn't have expected anyone to go and cross-check him in the head 
Uh, that was just not acceptable either. I think if Morgan Riley does just connect, give him a give him a shove into the shoulder. Um, hell, even if he throws his glove off and say, "Do you want to fight?" I don't think anyone is talking about this uh, past the the day that it actually happened. So um, that's I, I kind of wanted to touch on that and just give my sh- uh, thoughts on uh, on this podcast. But um, other than that, yeah, like it, it's been a lot of up and downs recently. Um, I felt like Thomas Shabbat's been playing uh, better as of late. He, he's, again, you want to talk about inconsistent. I feel some games he looks really good. He, he's playing with the puck out there. He, he's moving the puck. And then other games, it's just like just mental lapses that happen in, in his own end. And I, I kind of go like, what are you doing? Or a turnover at the blue line. And so um, it kind of fits with the whole team. I've just been frustratingly inconsistent. So um, I think the only other thing that I, I kind of want to talk about uh, before before wrapping this one up here uh, is the trade deadline is next Friday. I, uh, I'm going to try, I think, to get a full deadline preview out maybe before that, uh, and we'll probably do a recap. And I might have a full league recap on this podcast as well. Um, I think it is pretty crazy to suggest Ottawa shouldn't be a seller at this deadline. Even with their recent improved play, I think actually this improved play makes me want to see them sell more and that's going to sound weird but the reason I say that is because I want to see if this improved play is genuinely this team playing better and if they can actually for once in their careers buck up and play through some adversity because every time they have faced some adversity in the past they've used an excuse to get out of it oh Josh Norris was hurt oh Shane Pinto missed some time this you know missed time this year um, oh, well, we had a couple other injuries. Oh, man, like Batherson was hurt. Shabbat's been out. What do you want us to do? Every team deals with injuries. So to me, keeping all the guys you have on your roster right now does not make any sense when even if you played at the pace you're playing on right now, you're probably still going to miss the playoff by 8 to 10 points or whatever. Uh, I, I think you, you know, I love what Tarasenko has brought to this team. Uh, unless you have it in writing that he is willing to sign like a two-year, $2 million deal that you just get absolute upside on, I cannot justify keeping him, especially especially with how weak this deadline class is looking. If you put Tarasenko on the market, I think he becomes automatically one of the top players available um, because of Lindholm already being moved uh, and Monaghan already being moved as well. Um, Kubalik, I, I just don't know what you're going to get out of him. He's been absolutely horrendous this year um i kind of wonder what they do with brandstrom as well um i just i don't know it, it probably depends on a larger picture of what they see with someone like jacob chicken who is also an interesting name i've liked brandstrom's game again this year i think his, his isolated impact has looked good uh I, I think it's pretty obvious at this point what he is is a good third pair defender who can uh jump up on the or up in the top four uh, when you need him to for a short period of time, but in an ideal world, world he is probably your third pairing left defenseman, and, and that's okay. There is value in that, um, but if you feel you want to move him out and because you feel someone like Tyler Clevin is ready, I don't think that's the end of the world either. Uh, and then the, the biggest decision I think is going to be on someone like Jacob Chickren, who still has another year on the, his deal. So I, I would be a little surprised if they moved him out this year. I think they kind of wait, maybe real reevaluate what they do in the summer with him. Um, but it, it's a piece where a, a couple, even a month ago, like before the All-Star game, people, if you suggested training Jacob Chitterkin, people were absolutely losing their minds. And no way, he can't be the one that goes. It has to be Thomas Shabbat. And um, I, I'm not saying that 
you know, it has to be one or the other. But uh, it's pretty pretty funny how quickly it has turned to, oh, yeah, well, like, I'm kind of done with Chicken. And he has been playing very poorly recently. I think the Locked On Senators podcast had posted something today. He's, like, well under 50% in the expected goal share when he's on the ice. Uh, he, he's, like, a big minus, I think, probably a 5-on-5 goals as well. Like, he just has not looked great under Jacques Martin. Um, and I think some of that might have been he just looked really good when he started the year and, and maybe was overperforming a little bit, but um, you kind of got to figure out what you have with him. I think Chickern's a guy that they probably don't move look to move off of. If someone absolutely blew them out of the water with an offer, they probably would uh, think about it a little harder, but I, I doubt they would be actively shopping uh, him at this deadline. So I think if I had to rank the most likely uh, Kubalik, if they can even find a, a taker for him, he's been so bad. Uh, Tarasenko and then Branstrom are probably the top three. They don't really have too many other pieces to sell. Um, I, I just, to me, I don't think you can really justify keeping Tarasenko at this point uh, with how far they are into the lineup. And again, I'd almost want to see this team face some adversity where, you know, get your asset back. This team needs to recoup some assets. They've been bleeding it for years, even though they haven't been a good team. Get some assets back. Say, this is the time to go prove it that, you know, this little stretch here is legit. Go play well for the rest of the year, and then we'll reevaluate in the offseason. Because I do still think that um, even with this good play, uh, if the only time you can get good play is when your entire team is healthy and you're 25 points out of a playoff spot, uh, you need to make a change up anyway. So this team has just shown one too many times that they cannot get it done when there's actual pressure on. They are the pressureless merchants at this point. Um, and again, like I think there is still stuff to be more encouraged about recently, um, but I just, I have a very, very, very hard time buying into that anything's going to change at the beginning of next year, even if they play another good 15 games or whatever down the stretch uh, after the deadline. So um, I'll try and get another maybe preview deadline episode out, and I'll definitely have a review one, and maybe of the entire NHL, uh, seeing what kind of trades happen here, but... Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff and the podcast on Twitter at Last Word on Sends. Uh, you can find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com, including the article that I wrote up about their recent stretch. Uh, really, really happy with how that one turned out. So if you have five, ten minutes, go check it out. Uh, and I'm going to try and get in some more writing again in the next couple of weeks here as well. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll see you all next time.